This is Company the Podcast. I'm Sky Manson. Company is a podcast bringing together ambitious women in the bush, the cities, and all over the world. If you love country living, then today's guest will be another that needs no introduction. It's Claire Dunn, the editor of Grazy Her magazine. At the age of just 22, fed up with the fact that no editors would commission her stories on rural women, she decided to go it alone and start her own publication. She was living with her mum and dad on their family farm in Queensland and pulled together the first issue in between days working on the farm. Last year, Grazy Her celebrated its fifth birthday, and this week we are all so blown away by the excitement over the launch of the Grazy Her podcast, Life on the Land, which I have been lucky enough to be involved with. Claire blows me away herself. She is so understated and yet so successful in her pursuit to build a community that celebrates rural women. Here's her story. Claire, it is really, it's so exciting. I feel like I say it's so exciting to all of my guests, but it really is so exciting to talk with you because for two reasons, I've been wanting to interview you for a long time. And the second reason is that we've uh, just launched a podcast together this week, which is reason for celebration. So yay. (laughs) I know how exciting um, and also exciting to be here. Um, I know podcasts are exciting. Tell me a little bit about it. Like, why did you want to get into that space? So with the podcasting, I think it's twofold. Firstly, because I love listening to podcasts. I think even just conversations on radio, because I've always listened to ABC conversations. So I think that naturally led into when podcasts first started popping up a few years ago. Um, And then it just seemed to go hand in hand with Grazy Her with storytelling in that space. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's so many big and unique stories to come from rural Australia Um, and podcasting is just the perfect platform to do it because you can speak to anyone, you can take as long as you like, your audience will find you. If they like the podcast and if they like what they're hearing, then they will continue to follow and if they don't, then you can, as we consume podcasts as well, you can just, you can leave it and move on to your next one. A hundred percent. And I think it goes so well with people, women who do live in the countryside, just with the sheer amount of driving that you do alone. So it's great to pop on for that type of thing, um, let alone in many other situations that you can listen to it. Maybe a good place for us to start is to just explain a little bit about the podcast and what kind of stories it will tell. So the podcast, it's um, it's just it's telling stories of rural and regional women in Australia, and we're focusing on the ethos that we the whole magazine um, pivots off that everyone has a story. These stories will be conversations that will be about many topics, um, you know, and they'll be with farmers, they'll be with mothers, you know, photographers, anyone who lives in rural and regional Australia. So we'll be dropping it seasonally, so eight episodes a season and it will be weekly and four seasons a year. 
So good. And I it's interesting to see many publications getting on board with podcasting as a complement to the publication. Is that how you see it as well? I think so, yeah. I think it's 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 a great extension to that the community. I'm, I guess I'm mostly thinking of the community that who I hope will love to listen to the stories of more women. It's also an opportunity. Um, so at the moment, the magazine, we can only publish, say, 20 stories max each magazine, and that's four times a year, so 80 stories a year. So we're really hoping to just get more stories out there of all these incredible women doing all these incredible things and living the different lives and that type of thing. So what about if we rewind a little bit? How did Crazy Her start? I definitely remember when it first came out, but I'm so interested to know where the seed of inspiration came from for you. So I started it when I was 22 um, years old. I'm 27 now. I was working at home on my parents' cattle property in central Queensland. I was trying my I was trying to launch a career, very unsuccessful career in freelance writing. And I think I think the idea of the magazine was kind of birthed from that. It was um I was pitching consistently stories that I wanted to tell, which were rural and regional women. And I was finding it really hard to get the stories into publications without having much experience. And it is it's really hard as like I think as a freelance journalist starting out to do that type of thing um so I think I just decided to cut corners and just publish my own magazine um and that's kind of where the the seed of the idea for Grazy Her started that is so bold what gave you the confidence to do that well I um I think you know naivety like that's that's really what it was I didn't really have any idea how to start or publish a magazine so I think it really was just diving headfirst into it and I also I also was so interested in on like the entrepreneurial side of things and business side of things and I had been playing around with um, launching businesses for about two to three years prior to that so I did have an interest in that as well so I I had like the basic idea of like how to build a community and how to test an idea and that type of thing so it really was like a nice meeting of the two. So doing something that I love, but also um, starting a new business. And how did you get all your stories in those early days? So for the so initially it was a blog. So for the blog, I was doing all the interviews. They were just very basic Q and A interviews. Um, and then the magazine, I think it was this. The first magazine was this amazing collaboration of just all the women. I guess I had been. Um, in contact with and having discussions with about the magazine for the prior 12 months to that. And they all, I think people just, I I didn't even really ask, I think people just um, messaged or phoned and just said, I'd love to contribute something, Um, let me know what and when and I'll help. So it was this amazing collaborative project really, the first issue. Love it so much. And tell me, can you share a little bit of insight into what actually has to happen behind the scenes to get a publication, number one, into print and then distributed. Mm, Yeah. So with starting Grazy Her, thinking back to it, so the first thing I did was build the community, so to speak. So that was building the great, like the Instagram and Facebook community. So when we launched the magazine, 
there was someone there who was already interested in reading it. And that was, I worked on that and over six months prior to even launching it. And then after launching it, which is, I kind of did it through pre-orders without even designing the magazine. And then that showed that there was enough interest interest in launching the magazine. And then how to pull together the magazine, that is, it's usually, I start two to three months before the magazine goes on sale. And I'm pretty sure that is not, you're meant to start a lot um, earlier than that, I'm pretty sure, in like real magazine world. Um, (laughs) So it would be, it's deciding on if there's a theme. We usually decide if there's a theme for the magazine and then it's, getting in touch with our contributors, so freelancers, writers, photographers, creatives, and then discussing story ideas. So sometimes writers will pitch story ideas. Um, A lot of the time I have a bank of stories that I would love to get written, so it's kind of working on that and working that out and then organising all that content and then the whole magazine is pulled together that way. Um, A lot of organising and then it goes through the design stage and then an editing and proofing and then a bit more designing and a bit more editing and proofing. Um, and even if it might go through three rounds of proofing, but there will still be spelling errors and punctuation that will get through that. So that's always great. And then it's uploaded um, off to print and then off to the distributors and then off to the news agents and our lovely stockists. How did you go about finding a... Um, I wouldn't even know what it is, someone to print it or is it a publisher, self-published? It, it was, no, so it's um the printer. Our printers, I'm trying to remember, so five years ago we, I think I just reached out. I literally think, and I think a lot of people who start up businesses, I wonder if this is the same, just good old Dr. Google. Like I think I Googled magazine printing Brisbane and went that way. And then so just good. talk to them, and they were really helpful. I they they were very helpful in uh, yeah getting getting for for such a newbie getting the um, timelines right and that type of thing. And I definitely remember the first two or three issues. There the two or three editions of Crazy Her. There were issues with deadlines and that, and just because I just wasn't used to it, and then um, it would get pushed back like the on sale date or something. Um, but I think that was just a learning, that was just a learning curve. I think the and audience was very forgiving, which is lovely. Yes, yes, yes. Isn't it so wonderful and beautiful how um, when you, you know, it's quite clearly a, a grassroots publication and so when people go along with you on the journey, they are way more forgiving and they don't have any expectation and they just celebrate things. Is that the kind of... Uh, feedback and reception that you got yes I um they were the crazy her community has always been so supportive and lovely like that and always very understanding um and I think the magazine's only gotten a bit better and better each time as well so I think that's always been um just from feedback from the community and that type of thing and that continual learning process with everything from putting it together the printing side of things, the distribution, all of that, yeah. Are you still surprised that you're now an editor of your own publication? (laughs) I like to say faux editor just because (laughs) I'm not sure if you're meant to give yourself titles like that. 
I think so, yeah, because I don't know. I, I think from the, like, starting it, it was never the goal to be an editor, so to speak. I think it was um, it was more to create this collaborative thing which turned into the magazine, which then I was putting together and editing. But, yeah, I never dreamed that five years ago that this is where I, it would still be going. So what, what were your aspirations when you sort of left school or going through school? What did you want to become? Mm, I think in uh, high school, the final two years, I really remember there was nothing. I remember not knowing what to do and um, – nearly going with the flow a little bit so just going to university because that seemed like a pathway and I went and studied um, graphic design it was called a visual communication of of design I think down in Brisbane so I moved down to Brisbane and then a year a year and a half into that I think I, I think I was just so homesick and so unsure with what I wanted to do that that's when I decided I would take some time off and go home to the property and work there and thankfully, mum and dad said, yes, you can come work for us. <laughs> so when it first started, is that what you were doing? Having a couple of like days in the paddock outside doing farm jobs and then a couple of days in the office pulling together crazy hair? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I had been at home since I was 18 and a half. So I think there'd been that four years of kind of working at home with a gap year overseas in the middle of that and then yeah I was just pulling it together I was it was a flexible role that dad was happy to let me um have a few hours off here and there to do the interviews and that type of thing um like it wasn't it wasn't full-on work so that was was really good to have that I think and when did it start to become more full-time for you I think as soon as as soon as the magazine the first magazine was published enough to print and then about four weeks later, I realised, oh, oh crap, there's another magazine coming up that I haven't started anything for. And then that's, I think, when it started to get full time. And then I think a few things happened, like Grazy Her appeared on Landline, um, which was amazing for um, getting it out there publicly and really growing the profile of it. And then I think year two into it, I think I really committed to it full time and started putting treating it as like a full-time job. That's really interesting what you say about Landline. Did, did you see anything in terms of numbers and um, yeah, sales? It was it was actually amazing. I think um, I'm so grateful for that little segment as well. It was, it, was, it was actually instant. So we were watching the Landline segment and, you know, Landline in our household, it was always on. We would go to our grandparents, I think, I think it was on a Sunday maybe, um, and we would go around there. So the music to it was all very so ingrained mm. in my childhood. So it was lovely being on it. And then as the segment was airing, I could literally see orders rolling in. Um, so it was a little bit insane in that regards. Like I didn't realise that being on um, TV like that would have that type of impact. So that was really fantastic. Such an institution. It really <laughs> is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And now you've become an institution of your own, which I think will make you cringe a little bit at that, but it's true. <laughs> so well done. Thanks, Guy. Let's rewind a little bit. Did you actually grow up on that farm? Yeah, so I was, yep, yeah, so born in Rockhampton and grew up on the cattle property, yeah, out near Jeringa. Tell me a bit about it. So it is 30,000 acres. Um and I think for that area, that's typical. I think it's um, like it's it's 
a breeding block for cattle and um, lots of native grasses and that type of thing, um, a little bit range country-ish. And, yeah, it was – and then Jeringa was a little town that was 40 minutes away um, and we're also next to Warabinda, an Indigenous community that's 20 minutes another side and there's a few other little towns dotted around the area. And then Rockhampton was the big town that was two hours away. Paint me a picture of your childhood and your primary school days and what you loved doing and how you spent your spare time. So childhood, that was lovely, um, growing up on the cattle property. Um, it was always – so I grew up – I'm one of six children and I think living an hour outside of – or the 40 minutes outside of Jeringa and then two hours outside of Rockhampton, we didn't really um, – go away and do much sport or anything but we did have a lot of cousins living nearby so it was weekends were filled with playing with cousins whether that's at grandma and granddad's house or down by the creek that was near our house um but also just playing with my um siblings a lot I think we're really close and then mum so beautiful (laughs) how close were you what's the age difference and where do you fall in the pecking order so I'm number two um, and then I'm second oldest and then um, we're all really close like we travel together um, you know go to the races together that type of thing all best friends still Um, that's so good that's such a beautiful thing what do you think it was like for your parents was it a hectic kind of lifestyle or you just all were always outdoors and helping (laughs) I think you you need to ask mum and dad that I think it would be I mean six kids I think that would have been um full on I want to say I think mum was amazing she was so mum's is an artist and a teacher by by that stage she had put that on hold to raise us and um that was amazing you know I I think that's where the creativity side of things came from like mum was always encouraging us to be creative and she would just um get out butcher's paper and let us play with all her good paints and oil pastels and pastels and all that type of thing and do these massive art projects and not really worry about anything um and we lived in an old house that I think was built in the 60s so I think she wasn't too precious about us getting paint anywhere so I think that that really was integral and um being creative or being encouraged to be creative are you all creative I think we all are in really different ways yeah my older sister she's a trained visual um artist like she's went to university and she practices that so my next sister Colleen she sews Um, makes all a lot of clothes from scratch Um, and then another sister really interested in jewelry and pottery my brother he creates a lot of woodwork projects and my younger brother he's really interested in cooking and the outdoors and that type of stuff but you don't live there anymore Claire you're in New Zealand now Fill in the gaps there. How did it, that come to be? I am. I'm over in New Zealand. I've um, crossed the ditch, as I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so five, it, it must be six years now. Who knows? Six or seven years. I moved to Canada for six months for an agriculture exchange. And then I think two months into it, I went to the Calgary Stampede and met up with some of the other exchange students and I met up with a nice um, Kiwi guy 
and we hung out for a few days and then we each back went to our own parts of the country and he um, flew back to New Zealand a month later and we just stayed in touch. And then when I got back to Australia at the end of that year, um, I flew over and stayed with him for three weeks and we've kind of been together since then. And then I've moved to New Zealand two years ago to oh, set up shop. So huge. <laughs> so where are you in New Zealand? What what part? What does it look like there? And So we are on the South Island in the – it's the Taranaki region and it's outside. It's um, outside the township of New Plymouth and it's on a dairy farm. Um so really beautiful green rolling hills, which is just such a stark con- contrast to growing up in central Queensland. With um, it's all very flat there and dry, and yeah. Your is it is it your, he's your fiance now? Are you getting married? Yes, yeah. we um we got engaged over the la- the New Year's. Um, so the start of the year, oh, we we do have plans to get married. Um, but with, with everything going on with COVID, that's put on hold, and we'll just see how we go. We were going to get married back in Australia. It's proving a bit difficult to organise that at the moment. That's so huge. So um, how far into your plans were you? Not, not, that, not that far along, to be honest, because we, with the, so Tom's a dairy farmer and with the dairy farming, they really only get, there's about an eight-week gap in the middle of the year when it suits them to come over to Australia for it. So it was always going to be um, next year. Um, in May or June so I hadn't really started planning I'm not the best at organizing so luckily I hadn't planned too much apart from reaching out to a few uh, photographers that I love and vendors that I would love to get married at so it kind of worked into you played into your hands I feel (laughs) like did a little bit yeah (laughs) good to be unorganized but um, (laughs) but no it's um we'll just see how it goes we're really not worried I think we've We've been together for seven years. It's um, mm. it's not that big a deal for us. And what about your family at the moment? Are you keenly feeling the distance as you can't come back? Yeah, I think so. I think this has actually been the longest time that I've been in New Zealand in one go because with the business, um, I was still travelling back every six to eight weeks for Grazy Her for um, events or for launches. Um, and that type of thing and so that is a big change but that's not a bad thing it's been really lovely to settle in here Mm. and then and then technology like I guess thank gosh for technology like with um, calling and catching up that way that's been really lovely and I think it's nearly encouraged um, us to keep in touch more like me and my family with everything so there's been lots of silver linings from it I think. And what about managing your team remotely? That wouldn't have been something new for you, but have you learnt more during this COVID time about how to do that more efficiently? Yeah, because it, it, it has been a bit of both because the Grazier team has always been remote, always, 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 because I was running it from Jeringa for so many years and I did move into Rockhampton for a year to run it and then over here. Um, but there have been a few things, like we've we've introduced a new two new team members, um, so that has been... And I would have loved to like be there in person a lot more with them uh, to help them get on board, but it's been mostly entirely remote, which has been fantastic. Um, but so yeah, it's had it's had its ups and downs, but mostly positive, I think, with um, highlighting what you can do, like running do a business have, remotely. 
Do you have any tips for people who are sort of starting on this journey of remote management of teams? What's worked well for you? I think I think it's been it's definitely been like a it's 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 an ongoing learning process. I think um, there's a few great apps we use that would be like Slack. That's great. Just to um, that's kind of where we I would treat that as our virtual office in a way. So you jump on that in the morning. You say hi to everyone. You catch up. Um, there's a little channel in it called the coffee room. So it's like meant to be where you go in and have little chats as if you're on your coffee break or something. Um, I've just been introduced to the coffee room and um, I really <laughs> love that. It really does feel it's like it's the water cooler. It's the online water yeah, cooler. Yeah, that's, that was the idea. That's the idea. So I think, I think in regards to that, it's possibly about trying to keep um, people the team like you know engaged and chatting to everyone and seeing how everyone's going because you you do you miss out on those those daily interactions um Mm -hmm. yeah but I've I've always I guess from working on the property to starting my business this is all I've ever known so yeah I think it's always been just what we've done yeah yeah and you mentioned that you uh, you know used to come backwards and forwards between New Zealand New Zealand and Australia for things like events and um, and the like. Tell me a little bit about how Grazy Her has grown to be more than a publication and why that's been necessary. Yeah, I think it's I think of Grazy Her more than it is more than the it's not just the magazine, it's really the community and the brand. And I think that's because that's where Firstly, my passion is it's more so in the community and supporting them and listening to them and talking to them. So is that, can I ask you more about that? Is that when, when you think about what you're doing, it's, it's not a magazine first and foremost, it's the community and what's your mentality around that? Is it airing stories from the community or is it more along the lines of a space to share stories and bring people together? I think it's meant to be nearly at a T-section of both of those things. So I think one of the reasons, thinking back to starting the magazine, it was really because um, that whole uh, mentality that you can't be what you can't see. And I, there wasn't any, at the time there wasn't, well, there wasn't a standout thing, uh, publication or space that I think was highlighting and showing um, what you could be in rural and regional Australia. Um, so I think that's where that came from. So that's kind of highlighting uh, women and their stories. And then I think, yeah, that's also kind of ties into the next generation. I think it's really important to show them that there are all, are all these different lives that you can take and career opportunities for living and having a life in rural and regional Australia. Mm. So when you think about Grazy Her holistically, what kind of other things might the brand entail in the future? Um, I think we like that we were doing a lot of events um, that were called Grazy Her Uplates and they were um, a night out essentially, just a night out for women in the community to come to, get dressed up, listen to some fantastic speakers. They were all female speakers and um, have some good food, have some good conversations and that type of thing. Just a, just a night to let your hair down. And I think so for the first two that we did, we had women travelling from both of them um, from like four to five hours away to come to the event. So 
I think that was highlighting that there was a need and a space for them from just to gather women, so to speak. So I know that there's so many amazing online um, communities as well, um, but I think there's still something um, so tangible about gathering women in a room and um, especially like-minded women and something so special about that. Totally. In a, in a rural setting too, I think, people, girls, like women are really great at getting excited and, and showing up and dressing up and um, making the most of it, I think. It's yeah, not just another, I it really so. is, becomes yeah. an occasion, not just another social event. A hundred percent. I think um, I love the fashions at it as well. Like I think country women are always so fashionable and love to dress up when you get a chance. Um, yeah. I, I'm really interested in, you know, how you ask that question about, answer that question about Grazy Her and and it being a brand and what other tentacles it might include in the future. And I'm interested also in what you think about um, the current landscape at the moment. It's just so um, with publications, with lifestyle publications mm. in Australia and New Zealand, what's your take on it? It's, it's um, I think it actually, it, it is a bit of a tricky landscape to be in at the moment, I think. I think there is definitely, I think there's still a space for print, um, but especially in the past three to four months, I think that has I think you you definitely need to be supporting that um, as a brand with other um, spaces such as digital platforms, so a podcast or digital online storytelling or, um, again, like we're looking at we love doing the events and that type of thing. So, yeah, I think it's um, – from a like an advertising um, point of view or just that you're trying to get – yourself across as many different platforms and in front of as many different people as you can? I think for, like, again, going back to starting the podcast, I think that's about getting um, getting into the ears of as many of our readers and community that we can um, and growing that because I think that's great for our brand and our strength and growing and then being able to tell more and then especially with advertising it um it it has gotten tricky with the current climate um but I guess life has gotten tricky for a lot of people um in that regard so it's definitely been an interesting year (laughs) yes yeah yes I know and it's just about to feels like it's just about to ramp up again in New Zealand is that the feeling on the ground I think so out in country New Zealand um it's still a bit um calm I'm definitely feeling for anyone up in Auckland and the bigger areas because they've gone into a harder lockdown so to speak and I think that it's hard it's hard especially as we already went into one earlier this year um I think out in the country it's still it's not it's just different because you have like on the farm again we might go weeks without seeing people like two weeks unless we're popping into town to get groceries which is such a luxury I think Mm. Mm -hmm. what do you love about living there Mm, I love the space I just love I mean I guess I grew up on um, a cattle property so it's just that uh, that connection to the outdoors um, the space, the quietness of it. I've always loved the quietness of country areas, um, going for country, like a walk in the afternoon and that type of thing. Um, are you 
do you do that? Are you a, are you a walker? I do. I like to walk, but I'm not going to lie. If, if things are busy with work, I might, which is so bad, I might skip walking for a week. But yeah, I love walking. That's where I listen to my podcasts. It's um, walking in the afternoon or for a walk in the morning. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah, especially with like the seasons changing. I find over in New Zealand, especially here, you get a lot more change in the seasons. Like you actually get an autumn, a winter, spring. Where central Queensland, I guess it's winter or it's summer. Mm. Any listeners to this podcast will know that I love talking about people's routines. What <laughs> does an average day look like for you? So for me, it's um, it's wake up. I guess that's a that's a starter, and then I. Well, it it depends. At the moment, it's winter and the daylight. I find it really hard to get out of bed when it's dark. Um, it's a struggle. So we've actually bought Same. a sunrise lamp. Don't think you're alone there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've bought this sunrise light, which has actually been amazing. So it stimulates the sunrise. Um, so that's been amazing and getting out of bed earlier, maybe like 6.30, um, a start like that. And then it's – I Tom's usually um, already gone before I'm out of bed. He's up early. So I'm having breakfast and um, – then after that, I usually head into the office and for five minutes, I don't really touch anything, no emails or anything like that. It's just setting the day up. So it's planning what's happening, um, allocating time, what's happening, what's priority, what's urgent. And then it's usually um, playing with my dog for 10 minutes. I've got a lovely dog <laughs> called Banjo. Cute. And then it's back in the office with a coffee. And then I usually like to start the day off with a big creative task. So not touching emails or anything like that and just focusing on something for two or three hours and really like um, getting that finished um, before then I go to emails and dealing with the rest of the day. And with a business that's solely based in Australia, that early, that morning creative deep work kind of chunk of time would be highly achievable, wouldn't it? Because you wouldn't have as many interruptions because of the time it, difference. Yeah, it is actually, it is such a, it's, it's, it is, it's, it really works in my favour in that New Zealand is two hours ahead or three hours depending on daylight savings. And so while the rest of Australia is waking up, I'm, I have that time to really, get work done without being interrupted um, or without being needed somewhere else. And then by the time, so like, so the time what the workday starts in Australia, whether that's 8.30 or 9, I've already had several hours to get really get something done, which I, I love doing. I love that, yeah. Mm, so good. Hey, when you do your planning for the day, are you a uh, paper, pen and paper list kind of girl or an mm. online app kind of girl? No, pen and paper probably till I die, I think. Oh, I, I, need, I have several notebooks. I have one big planner and I have several notebooks that I flick between with writing stuff. Even if it's just writing stuff, I never get back to. I think there is something just with putting pen to paper and um, scribbling or writing ideas. That just works for me anyway. I've tried to go all digital. It just doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'm trying. A friend's introduced me to a new app, which um, I'm going to try and do, but I'm exactly the same as you. Everything's written on paper and there are several notebooks and um, I can never keep up with, like I try and have a work, a, 
a workbook and then another notepad for shopping mm. lists and <laughs> and house lists and, and then there's children lists. Both. Yeah. <laughs> and then actually inspired by uh, Louisa Brimble, I bought a huge A3 art diary and it's excellent for creative work because you can do huge mind maps and big um, big lists and there's just enough room on the page for absolutely everything um, and you don't have to flick through pages and I'd highly recommend it for, for anybody. It's um, a good little accompaniment to the old notebook that just takes the lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love working with, even with um, planning for um, layouts and stuff with ma- the magazine, I always um, I always seem to need to mood board or reference board with imagery very visual person and I'll print those off and stick them on the wall or I've got several um, pin boards like cork pin boards that will be filled with the um, next issues um, workings I guess. Oh how good I dream of working in a workplace like that. (laughs) Is that one of your favorite parts of what you do? That I have that is that is my favorite one of my favorite parts I think working visually and putting pulling together um, imagery, yes, and the workings in the lead up to the um, magazine. That's definitely one of the highlights. Are you much of a, a photographer yourself? Oh, I'm such an amateur photographer. I think uh, we there we have. I have a grazier camera, but it just never gets um, like a a really good one that probably that I don't need. Like it's way out of my skill mm. level. It's like a wedding photographer's camera. But, yeah, I love photography. Um, one of those things I probably wish will one day I'll hopefully get time to take a course and learn how to use my camera properly. Um, but for now it's just iPhone, um, for, yeah, smartphone photos, yeah. which, again, are great. I think they're, yeah, still great. Totally. Um, I've got two more questions before I let you go. Uh, which podcasts do you like listening to? Mm, I think it, this it, this seems to chop and change depending on what I'm doing. If it's mm. in a bit of a businessy mindset, it'll be business. Or at the moment, it seems to be I'm listening to a lot of um, um, lifestyle ones, I guess. So it's uh, the Shameless Girls from Shameless Media. I love them, and then it's Life Uncut with um, Britt Hockley and Laura Byrne. And then You Beauty from Mamma Mia, that's always a classic as a someone who's interested in, like, um, beauty in that. And then, um, yeah, and then also ABC Conversations, that's, like, always a steadfast in my podcast app. Yeah, I know you can't. It's very hard to go past it. Mm. I haven't heard of Life Uncut before. Um, oh, I think it's, a, it's um, definitely check it out. It's definitely a bit unfiltered. With um, talking about all different things with um, relationships, friendships, that type of thing. Wow. Very unfiltered. Yeah. Yeah. Refreshing. I find it refreshing. Humorous? It can be. Yeah, I think so. And I think it tells life um, in a much more raw way or like actually real life or what actually happens. Not, it's not too polished, which is good. Yeah. Oh, how good. And once the borders open, when Corona settles down, um, where should we go if we are to travel to New Zealand? Your favourite um, picks? There are 
there's so many. I think I've travelled. I've travelled a lot of the North Island and recently a little bit of the South. But hidden gems is definitely Raglan, outside of Auckland, a little surfing um, town. But also Taranaki. It's it's a this hidden gem that is off. It isn't on the tourist trail at all, but it has everything. It has mountains, snow in the winter, and then surfing in the day. And it's a really beautiful town with this lovely surf vibe, but it's also surrounded by farming communities. So it's a great mix of everything with fantastic cafes, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I think, yeah, we'll include in the newsletter your little Taranaki road trip, um, Mm. all-inclusive of all the good things, which that would be lovely. So thank you for doing for doing that. Um, and thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Um, congratulations on getting the Grazy Her podcast up and running. So exciting to have another awesome rural Australian podcast to add to the playlist. And I hope it goes really well for you. Thank you, Sky. This has been amazing. And, yes, really excited. There's some other great... Um, podcast already out there so it will be in hopefully good company that was claire dunn editor or faux editor as she likes to say of the grazy her magazine and now my colleague as i so luckily get to work with claire and the team in pulling together the grazy her podcast life on the land if you haven't heard it yet please make sure you check it out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And please remember that Claire will be featuring this Sunday in my newsletter, Company on Sundays, with her top travel tips for New Zealand. If you'd like to receive the newsletter, please sign up at my website, mansonandcompany.com. You can find me at Instagram at sky underscore Manson. Until we talk again, take care of yourself.